Welcome back. We are on chapter 14 of Rabbi Sachs' book called Morality, and the topic of today is victimhood. Rabbi Sachs starts off talking about the world's oldest man who passed away in August of 2017, just short of his 114th birthday. He happened to be a man by the name of Yisrael Kristol, who was a Holocaust survivor. He was born in Poland in 1903. He spent four years in the Lodz ghetto and was an Auschwitz survivor where his children and his wife both died. His two children died in the ghetto and his wife died at Auschwitz. By the time he was liberated, he was a mere 82 pounds. He was the only member of his family to survive. In 2016, uh, in Israel, where he moved after the war, he finally celebrated his bar mitzvah at the age of 113. Uh, he was unable to celebrate the bar mitzvah during the war. And he brought his, he had fathered children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, brought them under his talus and said, here's one person and look how many people he brought to life. As we're all standing here under my talit, I'm thinking six million people, imagine the world they could have built. So his life sheds light on one of the most interesting verses in the Torah. When describing the death of Avraham in Genesis chapter 25, verse 8, it says, He breathed his last and died in good old age, old and satisfied. His is the most serene death in the Torah, yet look at his life, and it was fraught with trial and tribulation. He had to leave his land, his birthplace, his father's house, and travel to an unknown destination, he was exiled twice due to famine, where his life was in danger. He was promised numerous children, but he remained childless in old age. Then when he had a son, God sent him away with Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. He was told by God to sacrifice his only son with Sarah, Isaac, who he had been told was to be a spiritual heir. Seven times he was promised a land, but when his wife Sarah died, Avraham owned not a single inch of territory and had to go to the Hittites to buy a field in the cave to bury his wife. His life was full of disappointed hopes and delayed fulfillment. What kind of man would the Torah say died in good old age, old and satisfied? And Rabbi Sachs learns from his interaction with Holocaust survivors who had lived through the deepest darkness in recent history. And he realized what they had done. When the war was over, they focused with single-minded intensity on the future. They didn't talk often about their experience during the Holocaust, but only when their future was secure did they allow themselves to look back and bear witness to what they had gone through. And this is what Abraham did. He received three promises from God, children, a land, and the assurance that he would be the father of many nations. But when he was 137 years old, he had one unmarried son, no land and no nations, but not a single word of complaint. So the transformative idea that we can take from both Avraham's life and the life of Yisrael Crystal is to survive tragedy and trauma 
First build the future, only then remember the past. Now going back to our topic, our topic is victimhood. And there's a difference between being a victim and defining yourself as one. The first about is about what happened to you. The second is how you define who and what you are. And for the many Holocaust survivors that Rabbi Sachs knew, their willpower refused, they refused to allow themselves to be defined as a victim. Rabbi Sachs had the pleasure to meet a Canadian psychologist, Jordan Peterson, who had done a lot of work on victim culture. And in his writings, he describes that as soon as you see yourself as a victim, that breeds thoughts of anger and revenge. And that takes you to a place that's psychologically as terrible as a physiological place. Survivors that Rabbi Sachs knew have almost superhuman courage to move forward, build a new life for themselves, support one other, one in each other emotionally, and only years later tell their story, not for the sake of revisiting the past, but for the sake of educating the present on the importance of taking responsibility for a more humane future. And how is this possible? Because as human beings, we have two choices. We can look back or we can look forward. And there's a major difference between the two. I can't change the past, but I can change the future. Looking back, you see yourself as an object acted on by forces largely outside your control. Looking forward, you're a subject, a choosing moral agent who can decide which path to take and where it leads to. Both are legitimate ways of thinking, but one leads to resentment, bitterness, rage, and desire for revenge. The other to challenge, courage, strength of will, and self-control. What's dangerous, though, is when we politicize victimhood and we transfer it from individuals to groups and into the public square. In every age, there are victims. But what's new and dangerous is the culture of victimhood. Back in the 1960s, the liberal revolution was undertaken in the name of the individual. But then over time, other issues increasingly took their place. And there was a fundamental shift from classical liberalism to something that Rabbi Sachs looked at as more neo-Marxist. A worldview that sees the human condition as entirely defined by structures of power and humanity divided into oppressors and victims. And this became the basis of identity politics. The politics of competitive victimhood. The problem is it cannot become political without destroying the very basis of liberal democracy, which is built on a threefold separation between nation, group, and individual. In other words, between the state, civil society, and private life. When individual feelings, negative self-image, become part of the self-identification of the group, and when groups call for remedial action by the state, then identity politics is born. And Rabbi Sachs argues this is the heart of contemporary multiculturalism and constitutes a great danger. Now, a decent society is one in which people work 
to redress disadvantage and deprivation. And we have to work for equal opportunity and preservation of human dignity. But there's a big difference between a future-oriented politics and one focused on grievances of the past. Between a culture that emphasizes responsibility and one constructed around an ever-expanded notion of rights. Between one that defines people as victims and one that helps genuine victims recover their capacity for action and self-determination. Politics is about power and the distribution of resources, but it's not about the psychology of self-esteem or the allocation of blame. Rabbi Sachs talks about a woman by the name of Edith Eager, who recently wrote a book called The Choice. It was a Oprah Winfrey uh, favorite book, and it was written when she was 91 years old. And it's an autobiography. It tells her story. Edith at the age of 16, was interned in Auschwitz after the Nazis overran Hungary. Her parents were killed and she survived. She got out, she married, she became a psychologist. She was influenced under the school of Viktor Frankl and Logothera- author of Man's Search for Meaning and the School of Logotherapy. And in her book, she says that suffering is universal, but victimhood is optional. We live exposed to forces beyond our control. Victimization comes from the outside, but victimhood comes from the inside. No one can make you a victim, but you. Hence the title of her book, The Choice, because we cannot choose what happens to us, but we can always choose how to react. We are never defined by events, and we are al- when we allow ourselves to be defined in this way, we hand over sovereignty over our own lives to others. And that's the essence of Greek tragedy, where human freedom is an illusion destined, destined to be shattered on the unyielding rock of inevitability. The Judea ethic, in contrast, is about guilt and responsibility. Greek tragedy fate is determined by factors external to the agent, outside his or her control. Shame and necessity give rise to a culture of tragedy. Guilt, repentance, and responsibility give rise to one of hope. If we have free will, we're not slaves to fate. If at the heart of reality is forgiveness, then we're not condemned by guilt. As we say on Yom Kippur, Teshuvah to uh, tefillah, tzedakah, penitence, prayer, and charity avert the evil decree. There is no fate that's inevitable, no future predetermined, no outcome that we cannot avert, and there's always a choice. There are both tragic cultures and hope cultures. In hope cultures, we are agents we choose. All depends on what we decide. In tragic cultures, there are victims who are acted on by forces beyond our control. And they will defeat even the strongest. The only redemption of victimhood is to refuse that self-definition. If you look at any conflict zone in the world, you see both sides seeing themselves as victims. That's a recipe for perpetual conflict and perennial disappointment. 
and it leaves only resentment, rage, and desire for revenge, all of which achieve nothing, as all they do is provoke a reaction of retaliation. The choice of freedom brings the defeat of victimhood and the redemptive birth of hope. So there's been a lot of discussion about victimhood and not to get into controversial topics, but now we're talking about reparations in society, in American society. And there was a similar discussion back in the earlier formative years of Israel about reparations from Nazi Germany. And David Ben-Gurion was a big supporter of reparations and Menachem Begin was vociferously opposed to it. He felt the blood money wasn't acceptable under, under, under any circumstance. And Ben-Gurion was a pragmatist and said, well, it, it's not so much about blood money per se and forgiveness of guilt. It's about, practically speaking, we're a poor country and we need to get fo move forward and we need economic development. And this is a means to an end. And I'll say the difference, at least, between that discussion in Israel and maybe some of the current discussion is the reparations were for the whole of the society and they weren't targeting the individual. When we start looking at reparations for the individual, when we start clinging to the past, we have to look, is that creating a culture of victimization where we're held tight to what's happened in the past and we're captive to it? Or do we have the ability to break through, through our own choices and move forward? So certainly while we need to create a culture of equal opportunity and economic opportunity for everybody, we have to realize that any effort to perpetuate victimhood is self-defeating. Hope everyone has a great week.